trying something new this week. I'm not recording from the beautiful Fairmount Sanctuary where the rest of today's service takes place. Instead, I'm sitting in my humble living room next to a fireplace that's waiting to be repaired and a newly lit wreath from a Fairmount Advent box. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and I invite you to light one candle for worship as a multiplication of the one large sanctuary candle into more than 100 flames in Fairmount homes, a sharing of the light of Christ amongst our family of faith. For our Jewish siblings, the home has long been a place of worship. Weekly services marking the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath take place on Friday evenings, and the lighting of the candles for Hanukkah generally happens in the family home. Christian worship, which grew out of Jewish services in the time of Jesus, began as house churches. The record in the book of Acts tells us that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They broke bread in their homes, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Some 25 years later, the Apostle Paul wrote to friends in Rome, greet also the church that meets in their house. During the following decades, the Christians continued to meet in homes. In times of persecution, they went underground into catacombs. But after the Roman Emperor Constantine legalized Christianity, church buildings began to multiply. In the 16th and the early 17th centuries, the Reformation fostered new churches as Protestants built their own places of worship. Yet in every century, Christians have met in homes and small groups to supplement their more formal church experience. In the past 10 months of pandemic, homes have become our safe places and our sanctuaries. We may supplement by posting worship enrichment for children and worship services for adults to be together spiritually, but realistically, at least for now, home is where we meet God, in our living rooms, at our kitchen tables, sitting on the porch, and things may be this way for some time to come. So this is our chance to develop home faith practices where we carve time and space to pray and to read scripture, to journal and to dream and to light candles. This is where we wait. As I gathered my thoughts to craft this sermon around the text for the first Sunday in Advent, there was a horrific windstorm going on near the lake on the west side. Trees blew down and blocked roads my neighbor's porch furniture scooted across the backyard and landed in our bushes, and the screen doors of our old farmhouse flew open and slammed shut all evening, causing our brave golden, golden doodle to huddle in fear under the kitchen table. It reminded me of that strange storm last fall in Cleveland Heights that cut off power to the church and community for several days. The power of a storm like that or the recent hurricanes that have hit Central America is both scary and humbling. And I think most of us prefer not to see the full power of creation gathered and released upon the earth. Yet, 
in the passage from Isaiah 64, it seems like that's exactly what's being asked for. Divine intervention, visible, dramatic, awe-inspiring. The people have returned from their exile and are bewildered by the chaos and confusion of a once beloved city now destroyed. And the prophet Isaiah is ready for the presence of God to come down and to shake the nations, to alert the people and to bring long-awaited justice. There's that hint of desperation in his tone. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Is the cry of a people who realize they've made a mess of the world and only God can set it right. These are not optimistic thoughts wanting to look at the bright side of life. These are honest, bold, desperate expressions, craving action and pleading for God's intervention. And perhaps we understand this disorientation far more deeply than we realize. This Advent season begins amid pandemic and ongoing protests. We're not prepared for the dramatic shifts in our ways of living as COVID-19 began its trek across the globe. Many physical bodies have been ravaged and lives taken by this aggressive virus. Families, churches, schools, and employees have been scattered from their gathering spaces into physical isolation. The truth is that things down here are not right and that we do dream of God's saving help. For so many reasons, personal and communal, I think we've all had prayers that sound like Isaiah's. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. We dream of a world set right, of peace and stability prevailing, of justice reigning, of safety surrounding, and that longing can lead two different ways. It can fester, causing bitterness, resentment, and fear. Or it can inspire in us faithful hope, a commitment to stay alert for God's working in the world, even an acceptance of hardship as gift. The more we are aware of hope, the more it will structure our visions of tomorrow and our prayers for today. And that's why the prophet's able to end his lament with the grace of this tender reminder O oh Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. I once heard a story about white missionaries on a track in the outback in Australia. Accompanied by Aboriginal people as guides, one day the missionaries wake up, prepare for another day of hiking, and discover that their local companions are refusing to move. Frustrated that they cannot get their guides to pack up and hike, they finally ask the interpreter to find out what's wrong. The answer they get back is, we have to let our souls catch up to us. We left them behind a day or two ago. One of the reasons I think Advent can be a real gift for us this year is that we can use it as a time to let our souls catch up. Waiting has always been a position of faithfulness in the Bible. Because waiting, waiting for something, means we know we cannot provide it on our own. 
Wait for the Lord, the psalmist says. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The season of Advent, which means coming, is the beginning of the church year and is often thought of as a time of waiting. Advent looks to the past and the celebration of the first coming of Jesus at Bethlehem, but Advent also looks to the future in anticipation of the return of Christ the King in the second Advent. And as we look to both the past and the future, the faithful response is to focus on God's faithfulness in the past, the future, and especially in the present. Simone Weil once said that absolutely unmixed attention is prayer. If we turn our mind toward the good, it is impossible that little by little, the whole soul will not be attracted thereto in spite of itself. So we wait by paying attention and living each day with purpose, by getting up in the morning and preparing for the day because there will be something in this day that merits such preparation. Those who dream stay awake by staying hopeful, for ourselves and for the sake of others, even when all seems hopeless. We plead with God even when God seems distant. We do the right thing with no promise of reward. We practice courage even in the face of overwhelming odds. So this first Sunday in Advent, we light the candle of hope. We give voice to our longing and say, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. We plead for God's intervention and join in God's redemptive work. We choose to no longer let bitterness and resentment and fear sweep us away and choose instead to let God forgive, heal, restore, shape, and renew us. We let the potter be at work and we give our souls a chance to catch up. And we do this because we believe that in the child born at Bethlehem long ago, God did come down. That over a baptism one day in the Jordan River, God did tear open the heavens. And for a few short years, Jesus walked the dusty roads of Galilee, healed the sick, welcomed the outcasts, restored the unclean, and equipped the disciples to change the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yet people didn't get that God had come down and come so close, maybe too close. And Jesus was crucified on the cross and placed in a tomb. And again, God opened the heavens and came down so that on the third day, when death could not contain him, when the very love and power of God defeated the powers of sin and death, the powers of violence and injustice, Jesus rose up and walked into the light of the first day of the week. We can do this. In all of our sacred, ordinary spaces, we can wait. We can dream. We can keep awake. Hear this poem by John Vandeleer called Waiting and Watching. You call me to wait on you, Lord, but I get tired of waiting. 
your answers to my prayers, your call for me to serve you, the promise of your coming kingdom. They all seem to take so long. You tell me to watch for your coming, Lord, but I'm not sure how to prepare for a thief in the night, an undisclosed time, and your disconcerting habit of secrecy and mystery. Yet something inside whispers that you're not all that hard to find, that you're always coming to me, and that both the waiting and the watching are more about being open to you now than about trying not to be surprised in the future. And so I will keep waiting, and I'll try to stay alert so that I can catch the glimpses of your glory that fill my day every day.